My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Today, my sermon is simply titled, Forgiveness. should be easy to remember. The past few weeks, we have seen clear instructions from the scriptures about how we are to relate to one another inside and outside of the church. Last week, St. Paul reminded us that we are to love genuinely. We are to love non-hypocritically. We are to love by being genuine with one another. We are to love by also, he says, abhorring what is evil, putting off what is evil, rejecting what is evil, and clinging to what is good. And if you missed it, you can go back and listen to the past few sermons on our podcast, uh, Zionstone Sermon Podcast, that I link to um, every week. Today, through the readings, we hear a theme that all of the readings focus very, very much like a laser on, right? We heard a reading from the Apocrypha, the book of Sirach. We heard from Romans, and we heard from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, a parable about um, the, the forgiveness of the king and the wicked servants. And so all of these come together this morning to teach us about forgiveness, which is actually love working itself out in the community, in our relationships, with one another. Since we're outside, can everybody hear me okay? Yeah? All right, just wanted to check. Guys in the back, you good? All right, good. Just wanted to make sure. So a couple of things to think about when we are looking at these texts this morning. In the reading that we heard from Romans, part of the background of what's going on there is that uh, the Jews had been expelled from Rome, and this had happened a few times in the history of Rome, and the Emperor Claudius I think in, at the, around this time was the one who did it. And there's a Roman historian of the time named Suetonius who wrote that since the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Crestus. And so there's a lot of scholars that believe well, that mentioning of this person named Crestus is actually a Roman um, acknowledgement of Christ, right? That there's this person named Jesus Christ and it's causing some disturbances in the community preaching about him. And what had happened was Christians had come to Rome and they had begun to preach and disciple the people there and make converts out of the Gentiles that were there in Rome. And what happened was when the Jews are expelled, the Jews who are also Christians, they were expelled as well because at the time the two weren't seen as two different religions. Christianity was just seen as a sect of Judaism of the time. And so the Gentile Christians could stay in Rome because they weren't Jewish. But the Jewish Christians had to leave, and they were expelled from Rome. And you can actually see this also referenced in, in the, uh, the book of Acts, in the scriptures, where uh, uh, St. Paul meets uh, Priscilla and Aquila. They had been Jews who had become Christians who had been expelled from Rome. 
And so what happens is the Jewish Christians and the, other, and the non-Jewish Christians, uh, the, just regular Jews, right? They're able to return to Rome. They're eventually, after some time, allowed to come back in. But what happens is when you have a group of people that have left the community and then they get reintegrated back into the community, they come back to find that things aren't quite the same. Sort of like a person who may have been born in our church and been baptized at our church and been confirmed at our church and then goes away and then 30 years later comes back. Well, this is a lot different than I remember. Well, yeah, that kind of happens, right? But what happened in Rome is that division began to spring up. And this is what shapes, say, Paul's argument in Romans. And a lot of what Paul deals with in Romans is he's basically saying to the Gentile Christians, like, you guys need to chill out, right? This is the too long, didn't read version. You guys need to relax. You are not more special than the Jewish Christians who were expelled. You are not superior to them. You are not more special to them. If anything, they're a little bit more special than you because they are, right? He, he uses this metaphor. We read about it a few weeks ago. This metaphor of the branches, right? Of, of the tree that, that they have been grafted into. And so he's like, calm down. And he's setting a lot of the communal issues back in order there. And so, St. Paul's words about forgiveness and bearing up with one another would ring true to them because this is something they're actively living out. And then when we hear of Jesus' parable in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, this parable takes place after the discussion where the disciples are like, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And as you know from the other Gospels, that got a little bit contentious. Who is the greatest? Is it me? Is it you? And you know the story, Jesus grabs a child, he must be as a little child, right? Have you ever heard people argue about something that they were really, really into? Like super nerd level, you know what I mean? Huh? Yeah, me, right. There's people who like argue very, very passionately, like who's the better captain, Picard or Kirk? And people will yell at each other and lose friendships over it, over who is the better Star Trek captain. People will argue about which Star Wars movie is the best, and they all have very, very set-in-stone opinions. Even when we're wrong, we still think we are right, and we get very passionate many times about something we are very wrong about. Being sure of one's position doesn't mean that we're automatically in the right. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, forgive him. And Peter's like, like all the time, Jesus? All the time? Like, I've been with these guys for a while, and they're really bothering me. How many times? Is seven enough, right? Is that seven? And seven seems like a good number. That's kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot. And seven has a symbolic meaning too, right? It's a number of, of completeness. If you came to our Revelation class last year, on, or this year on on, uh, you would have heard about us talk about numbers and stuff like that. It's symbolic of completion. Jesus is like 70 times 7, which is 490, right? Right, 490? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a preacher, not a mathematician. So Jesus isn't putting a numerical value on the amount of time that we have to forgive one another. He's basically saying the fullness or completeness of your forgiveness needs to be full and complete, like all the time all the time he makes this point in the parable it's not about the quantity of forgiveness but about the quality of forgiveness forgiveness as an attitude of our hearts a heart that that 
is moved to give forgiveness when it is needed and what is necessary, not out of sense of duty, but out of a sense of empathy and out of a sense of compassion. And in the parable story, the servant owed 10,000 talents of gold, which is around 20 years wages for a laborer. He owed 10,000, he owed 20 years worth of salary to this king. That is something you would, he would not be able to repay. The only option, right? There's no bankruptcy. There's no chapter 11 in the ancient world. If you couldn't pay what you owed, you had to sell yourself and everything you had, sell your family into slavery, and you could pay off the debt that way. He says to the king in the parable, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And it says that the king is moved to pity. And the king doesn't say, all right, let's lay out a, a payment plan. Like if you refinance with SoFi, maybe we can get you a really good interest rate that's lower than what I was offering originally because, you know, maybe I offered a little bit too much. So let's see if we can get you down like a 3.5% and then we can extend the life of this loan out so I don't have to sell you and your family into slavery to pay all of this back. No, it says that the king has pity on him and is moved and he forgives the debt entirely. Okay, 20 years worth of wages, which is a lot. You don't owe this to me at all anymore. And think about that weight, right? That some, um, probably all of us have had debt of some type in our lives, right? And it can kind of feel like a crushing weight. And when we get that, that loan paid off or we get that car paid off or we put our final check in the mail to finally pay off our mortgage, it's like we can breathe again. Or that medical bill, we finally get it worked off. <sighs> You would think that this servant move, would be himself moved by the goodness uh, and the pity of the king, but he's not. So that servant, he goes and he runs into somebody, another servant that owes him a hundred denarii, which is about a hundred days wages. Okay. He owed 20 years worth of wages, right? And this other servant owes him a hundred days of wages. Doesn't owe the king, owes the first servant. And he says, have pity on me and I will pay you all. But the servant that was forgiven the large amount, he's not moved to pity. And he has the other one thrown into prison. And the king hears about this and he is not happy. And he calls the first man back and he throws him in prison until his debt is paid. And he won't be able to pay the, the, the debt, so he'll be in prison forever. His debt is recalled and the penalty for that debt Reenacted, And then some of the most sobering words in the Gospels, Jesus says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Man, I feel like every church meeting should have that like emblazoned. Maybe we should all get t-shirts made. Like any church, right? <laughs> any church. Our church, churches down the road, any church. Bethany, Wesleyan, whatever, should have this like above the fellowship hall, right? Or as your way out of the fellowship hall. My heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Because God knows that unforgiveness is something that stifles and kills not only the faith of a community, but also it stifles and it kills the faith of the individual. Particularly if that unforgiveness is working its way through a community or through an individual. And these are serious words 
from Jesus. Because, brothers and sisters, ultimately, sin can be a debt. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts. We, or we could also say trespasses. It kind of means the same thing. Sin is, in the scriptures, one of the ways it's described, not the only way, but sin is described as a debt. And so Christ bears our sin on the cross. Right? Paul is saying, Colossians, he'll say that Christ took the record of debt that stood against us and he nailed it to his cross. Right? So the debt of sin has been taken care of through the death of Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, through his self-giving. And even as I said last week on the cross, as they are killing him, Christ says, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Right? Jesus knows, St. Paul knows, the church is made up of imperfect people. That's sort of a given. You're going to go to church, you're going to find imperfect people. You go to a church, you're going to find hypocritical people. You go to church, you're going to find imperfect pastors. You're going to find hypocritical pastors. You're going to find good pastors. You're going to find bad pastors. You're going to find good committees. You're going to find bad committees, right? The church is made up of imperfect people. That's the point of the church. Is so we all come together, gathered around the preaching of God's word and the reception of the sacraments, and we are transformed by God's grace. Where our imperfections, through our life together and through our worship, begin to work out. We get to work those issues on the inside of us out through the power of the Spirit, working through the means of grace, and the power of the Spirit working through our relationships with one another. We will sin against one another, but we cannot let that sin fester and grow. And sometimes we think we've been sinned against, or sometimes we think somebody might hold something against us, and that causes us to sever relationships. And this is very true in the church as well. Sometimes an offhanded comment might be received as, that person really hates me. Maybe they had a bad day, right? It happens. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe you took it the wrong way. One of the, the, the things that have helped me a lot in life is when people say things to me and if my initial reaction is negative, one of the things that I've learned and I'm still learning is to say, okay, that doesn't necessarily mean they're angry. Maybe I'm not, maybe I got the tone wrong in my mind, right? And that happens sometimes. So why is this so serious, forgiveness and unforgiveness? Because the level of forgiveness that Christ has extended to you and to me is incalculable. Through his death, he has forgiven the debt of our sin. He has restored us to himself. And forgiveness in the church should restore us to one another. If we do not pardon our brother and sister, we will not be pardoned. Because here's the thing we need to remember. One of the things that the parable, I think, reminds us of is that we are all servants. Servants. And the problem comes, we all think that we're the king. We think that we're the king. And this plays itself out at church. This can play itself out at work. We think that we're the one in charge, even when we're not. We are all servants. Jesus does say to his disciples, I no longer, I call you friends, 
but we are still servants. He says the servant is not greater than the master, and he is the master. We serve the king. We do not serve ourselves. And this should help put everything into perspective. Everything that we do in perspective. All of our, all of our relationships, not just here at church, but also out in the world. It puts all of that into perspective. That we serve the king. And ultimately, God is the one who will repay. It's not, it's not upon us to repay. It's not on us to try to make somebody give restitution or to, or to make somebody... I don't know, do what we want them to do. People who have sinned against us, we are not to take vengeance against them because God sees, God knows, and God will repay. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that all of our relationships with people who have sinned against us is restored to the same as it was before. I think there's an extent that that's kind of true, particularly in a worshiping community Right? There's, there's sometimes people um, through maybe spiritual discipline or something like that might, might need a little bit more care. But if someone sins against another person, that doesn't mean that acts, you give them access to your life again. Right? That doesn't mean that they get to come to the same place that they were before. But what it does mean is that we need to get to the place where the hatred that we have in our hearts no longer rules us, and even get to the place where the hatred that we may be holding in our hearts gives way to love, gives way to pity, and gives way to compassion. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we all stand before God as sinners in need of his saving grace, which he freely offers us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom is due all glory together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are ever in the area, please join us for worship. We'd love to meet you. If you have any questions about what you heard, or if you would like prayer, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website, zionstoneucc.com. We also are raising funds for some repairs to our stained glass windows. So if you get a benefit from listening to this podcast, please head over to GoFundMe.com slash Zion Stone Church Repair Fund. God bless you, and thanks for listening.